Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. In the driving jam time. The Philippines win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Albert Pujols, he'll be part of the show at 11.45 today. Five minutes with number five. And in this one, we talk about two of my favorite moments of his career. His first Major League home run and... The greatest call in Mike Shannon's career, in my opinion, the home run on July 4th, 2003 off Kerry Wood. That is a spectacular call by Mike and a great description by Albert coming up on five minutes with number five as he and I talk it over on that show. And then tomorrow we'll debut a new five minutes of number five as Albert and I talk about some postseason home runs that you might remember that's coming up on KMOX for Monday morning. In the meantime, we are going to be talking to Dan Reardon at 1115, John Mosellock at 1130 and then Albert at 1145. Great stuff. Last hour from Cardinals manager, Oliver Marmel, Rachel Stallman uh, talking some tennis as Wimbledon is taking place right now. The men's final Looking like this, Nick Kyrgios. Remember the name? He's emotional. He's fired up. He's from Australia, and he's trying to take down Novak Djokovic, and he is not holding back. He is really something. Wears his hat backwards, yells and screams. Is he good for the game? Is he not good for the game? I'm definitely in the camp of good. I mean, I'm all about it. Give me some emotion. Give me some fire. Let's see tennis Rise back up to where it was when when I was growing up with McEnroe and Connors. But uh, on the men's side, right now, it's Kyrgios took the first set 6-4. Novak Djokovic took sets 2 and 3, 6-3, 6-4. They're now 6-all in the fourth set tiebreaker. Djokovic up 5-1. Just a tremendous tremendous uh, match so far between those two in the men's final. We'll keep an eye on that. The Cardinals, they need offense. They need power. They need offense. They need consistency somehow, some way. John Mosellock will be with us at 1130 to talk all things Cardinals. But for right now, just a quick run through on what happened yesterday. Let's hear it from our broadcasters at the ballpark. With Ricky Horton, I'm John Rooney, and it was another pitcher's duel yesterday. Kyle Gibson went seven scoreless innings for the Phillies, while Cardinal starter Dakota Hudson went six scoreless innings. But the run scored in the ninth inning against Giovanni Gallegos 
It stood up 1-0 Philadelphia. Derek Hall hit a ball off the right center field wall. He had a double, and that ended up being the only run in the game, a 1-0 shutout. The Cardinals shut out for the second straight game. Really couldn't get anything going offensively. Only two hits. Uh, again, another well-pitched game, a quick game, but the Cardinals couldn't get anything going. Yet, Ricky, a walk and an error set up first and third with nobody out in the ninth inning, and the Cardinals couldn't find a way to get the tying run in. Corey Knable was able to pick up his 12th save somehow, even with first and third and nobody out, a missed opportunity for the Cardinals. Well, the Cardinals go after the Phillies again today behind right-hander Andre Pallante. The rookie is 2-4. and four. He'll be opposed by left-hander Christopher Sanchez, 1-1. One one. We're on the air 12-20, first pitch at 1-15. Gentlemen, thank you. Here's that lineup facing Sanchez. Tommy Edmond will lead off and play shortstop. Nolan Gorman will bat second and play second base. Juan Yepes is the right fielder. He's batting third today as Paul Goldschmidt gets a day off. We'll also see Nolan Arenado is the DH. He's going to bat fourth. Dylan Carlson's in center field batting fifth. Corey Dickerson is the left fielder. He bats sixth. Albert Pujols is the first baseman this afternoon. He bats seventh. Edmundo Sosa is at third base, batting eighth. And Austin Romine behind the plate, catching Andre Pallante. He's the Cardinals catcher and batting ninth. For the Phillies, Kyle Schwarber is the left fielder leading off. Reese Hoskins, the DH, bats second. Nick Castellanos, the right fielder, bats third. Derek Hall, the first baseman, fourth. JT Realmuto is the catcher batting fifth. Alec Baum is the third baseman batting sixth. Bryson Stott is the shortstop batting seventh. St. Louis and Matt Veerling, the center fielder batting eighth. And our old friend Jairo Munoz, the former Cardinal, bats ninth and plays second base for the Philadelphia Phillies. They're in a championship point right now, the third one of the match. And Novak Djokovic is trying to finish off Nick Kyrgios and win his 21st Grand Slam title. Kyrgios, the Australian, has put together an incredible effort to try to beat Djokovic, quite simply the most amazing player um, in the world right now. He really is, and he has just won Wimbledon uh, just moments ago. A shot into the net from Kyrgios, and Novak Djokovic has done it again. He has defeated Nick Kyrgios and has denied the young Australian an opportunity at his first Grand Slam title. A champion at Wimbledon once again. Novak Djokovic, seven-time winner at Wimbledon in a match that was just about three hours. A tremendous one for Djokovic defeating Nick Curios, another greatest in the game, Tiger Woods. On the golf course today at St. Andrews in the Open Championship. We'll tell you how he did in his practice round and talk it over with KMOX's Dan Reardon next on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. From the Stiefel Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman with you. Sports on a Sunday morning. Again, Novak Djokovic has won his seventh Wimbledon title. He came back from a set down to beat Nick Kyrgios 4-6-6-3-6-4-7-6 in the men's final. Djokovic raced out to a 6-1 lead in the fourth set tiebreaker and converted his third match point when Kyrgios netted a backhand and he has won it 
in dramatic fashion over a very, very good player, up-and-coming player in Kyrgios Djokovic's 21st Grand Slam title overall. That puts him one behind the record holder, Rafael Nadal. Only Roger Federer has won more Wimbledon titles with eight. This was the first Grand Slam final for Kyrgios and certainly not the last. That was a lot of fun to watch, for sure. Joining us is KMOX's Dan Reardon, who's watched a lot of major championship sports in his lifetime in the area of golf. In fact, today, one of the greatest players in the history of the game was out hitting the little white ball around St. Andrews at the Open Championship practice round. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Tom. You know, this would be a good two weeks to be in Great Britain. You had, as you talked to Rachel, you have... Wimbledon final on the 100th anniversary of center court this afternoon. The Scottish Open will wrap up Xander Shopley with a four-shot lead at this point. The first ever event co-sponsored by the PGA Tour and the European Tour, now the DP Tour. Tiger playing a practice round at St. Andrews. And then the week wraps up with the 150th anniversary of the Open Championship this year at St. Andrews. Keep in mind, 150 years means the first Open winner won it when Abraham Lincoln was president of the United States. And, oh, by the way, the prime minister resigned in Britain as well. Wow. Uh, That's unbelievable. I am so excited to watch this. You know I like that for multiple reasons. One, uh, it's always around my birthday, which I love. Two, it's the only live sporting event I know of that I can report on during morning drive. Uh, Three, uh, it's a fabulous golf course. Maybe, maybe the most famous golf course in the world, Dan. Oh, he's a, well, I, I guess it co-equal is the best way to describe it. I think Augusta National, because of the mystique of the Masters in and of itself, probably stands in that same category. Although, as I said, you, you just can't top 150 years of Open Championship golf. Uh, including all the runs at St. Andrews. And Tiger freely admitted this week that he he is so revved up to try to play well this week because he believes that the, the Open will not be back at St. Andrews for another five years, and his opportunity to play there may have gone by the wayside. So how did he do today? Practice round, 18 holes with Justin Thomas. The, the key is not what he shot. The key is that he walked 18 holes, and how well will he recover uh, for tomorrow? So, you know, practice round scores are a little bit uh, a little bit of, of just what they say. Their practice, it's like it would be like evaluating a baseball team based on their spring training record. But he played, and this is the golf course that I always thought would have been the place where he, where he should have returned to the game because in major championship golf, St. Andrews is the easiest walk in golf. It is a flat golf course. You have no uneven lies unless you get into bunkers, and, and it, it suits Tiger perfectly well. So, as I said, the key is – how he recovers going into Monday. By the way, the forecast for him is very favorable this week. No cold temperatures, 60s and 70s all four days of the championship, wind all four days and double figures. But we will know after this week what future, if any, Tigers still has in the game. I know this. On 18, he drove the green and then missed an eagle putt that tells me that he still had the endurance to hit long off the tee. In fact, I understand that he hit multiple tee shots, which is nothing, as you mentioned, uncommon for a practice round. You're going to work on all kinds of stuff, aren't you, Dan? Absolutely. You know, and, and something people may or may not realize, and I don't think they do it this early in the week, 
But the, for a championship, they will spot mark the greens. In other words, there will be four dots put out for the players in the practice rounds, which will tell them where the hole locations will be all the four days. Now, in the case of a course like St. Andrews, the players pretty much know, as with Augusta, where those hole locations are going to be. But the conditions that you're playing them under will vary from year to year. So a practice round today will give them a little bit of a sense of the, the firmness of the fairways. And they are supposed to have rain, by the way on both Friday and Saturday, which will change the playing nature of St. Andrews. But the wind is a bigger factor. Uh, if they do get 13 to 20 mile an hour winds over most of the four days, that's a much bigger factor than whatever rain they might get on, on Friday and Saturday. Who is the favorite in this tournament in your mind, Dan? They're, they're, you know, Tom, we're, we're in a situation in golf we're, we're spoiled by Tiger. We could look at a favorite, uh, and and I don't think we have a favorite. You'll get a lot of love for Jordan Spieth because he's won there. He's playing well this week at the Scottish Open. Uh, Xander Shoffley, if he goes on to win today, will have two quick wins on his uh, resume in a short period of time, the second one coming on a Lynx-style course. And, and then you go to the Scotty Shufflers, the, the Colin Morikawa, who is the reigning Open champion. There's a number of players that – uh, Justin Thomas, you mentioned. There are a number of them that fit on that list. And St. Andrews is a very gettable course for a player who knows how to play uh, on a link style course, which means you have to play a little bounce and run in terms of the greens. You're not playing aerial golf. You're not flying the ball to the hole as you would in this country. I see, and it got a lot of play yesterday, a lot of headlines, that Greg Norman is not uh, to be part of that 150th celebration. RNA made that announcement yesterday. They just don't want that to be a story. It's going to be a story as long as LIV is around, uh, but they're doing their best to keep their distance, aren't they? I think it's bad news for the people at LIV for the last two majors. You know, at the U.S. Open, Mike Wan said, you guys are good to play this year. We couldn't change the rules on you midstream, but don't count on that next year. Now the RNA has turned Greg Norman down twice this year. First, Norman asked for a special exemption as a two-time champion to be able to participate in the 150th U.S. Open. He was uh, uh, the Open Championship. He was turned down and now being told to stay home uh, instead of joining us for the celebration of the 150th. Yes, he would have been a distraction, but that could have easily been managed. There are going to be players in the field who are from LIV who will get much more attention than Greg Norman would have gotten. I think the RNA is now clearly lined up with the PGA Tour in opposition to this uh, new, new tour, LIV Tour. And then, as I said, the fact that today we're seeing the DP Tour and the U.S. PGA Tour combined to run an event, the best field ever in the history of the Scottish Open under those circumstances. The next shoot and drop, it won't drop for a long time because they can wait. The next shoot and drop will what will be what will Augusta do? And if Augusta joins hands with the USJ and RNA, there, there is no future for LIV golf without those three majors. Wow. And then what happens to these players who chose to go that direction? There's no turning back. I don't know how that works, Tom. I mean, you know, we can go to we can go to the the uh, Bible and, and talk about the prodigal son, but the prodigals are sitting out there with a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollars in their pocket, and they have to then come back to Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and the rank and file on the PGA Tour and say, "We've got all this money. Can we come back and have everything be forgiven?" I don't know how that works out. I, I can't imagine how that's going to work out, but I do think we'll see that situation arise.
Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I like uh, we mentioned Justin Thomas's name a few times. There's a player who is going to stand firm on what he's uh, what he believes in. Of course, his alignment with Tiger Woods is very well known. We know Tiger's not going that direction. Uh, you can count on some players to not go there, and now it's starting to look a lot better. Well, you know, uh, early in the week uh, for, for the Scottish, Billy Horschel came in, and Billy Horschel has won seven times on tour, I believe. He's won a, a Players' Championship, so he has some credibility. And he was asked to talk about LIV. And if you read the interview, that answer ran five to seven minutes in length without a second question being thrown in the mix. It is not just the name players, the premier players that have spoken out against this. As I said, you got to look at the rank and file. This, those are the low-hanging fruit that LIV is, try, is trying to pick off. And if, if those players turn against them, then you have a situation like this week where three players played in the Scottish Open on a court order, and none of them were a factor in this championship. And we'll wait to see if next week a Dustin Johnson or a Bryson DeChambeau who are young enough to still be a factor in major championships, if their game shows up and they can grab a headline or two. Because to this date, nobody from that tour has crossed back, uh, certainly at the U.S. Open. And now we'll see at the Scottish Open again. We'll see next week at the Open Championship. If those players don't establish credibility as among the best players in the world, then what's the purpose of the tour other than exhibition? It's spring training for them as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, a week from today, we will see who wins the Claret Jug at St. Andrews in the Open Championship. And two months from today, we will have ourselves the Ascension Charity Classic. We'll be right in the middle of it. We had Nick Ragone on last hour, Dan, discussing how things are selling quickly. He said they're about sold out of their cabanas. Or he didn't, I don't know if he said they're about sold out, but he said they're pacing way higher than even last year. Uh, they have tickets flying right now. Good sign for St. Louis golf, isn't it? Tom, I'll give you my reaction, and, and I'll play experienced reporter in this situation because I've been around these things for a long time. I'll tell you what caught my attention about this tournament last year is the credibility and the respect it got from the players and the tour itself. Uh, this is going to be an extreme comparison. But uh, on the PGA Tour a few years ago, more than a few years ago now, when Quail Hollow became a factor on, and, and they moved to that golf course, it instantly became not a major but a must-stop for, for the players on the PGA Tour. I think that, that this tournament, Ascension, got a little bit of a, a, a hint of that kind of treatment from the players last year. The build-out, meaning the, the spectator boxes out on the golf course, the treatment they were given, everything was very positive. It's very important that they continue that momentum this year. But I will tell you that my understanding is the PGA Tour looks at this Champions event in a different light than they did perhaps even Boone Valley, which was a really well, well-run well event, greatly financed and staged by Enterprise. But I've been surprised at how quickly the credibility of this event has come to the forefront. Very impressive operation right now, the Ascension Charity Classic. The Open Championship at St. Andrews, we will be watching very closely. None will, will be paying more attention than our own Dan Reardon, KMOX Senior Golf Editor. That's why we lean on him. We appreciate it very much. We'll talk to you real soon. Enjoyed it, Tom. Great to have him on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. And as always, at 1130, we're joined by the Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock. He is next.
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown! Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 1132 from the Stiefel Sports Studio in downtown St. Louis. I'm Tom Ackerman, sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX, and we are joined by the Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock. John, good Sunday morning to you. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome back. It's good to be back. I told you while I was out of the country, I was keeping track of things, and I... You know, obviously listening to the games and watching highlights, excited about well, a that's couple. That's your fault. <laughs> I don't know what the heck happened uh, to me. Why, when I leave, you know? So I uh, obviously, when I come back, things are going to start to pick up. Uh, but I, two things I really enjoyed. I loved the cycle uh, from Nolan. I loved the four straight home runs in the first inning. Um, but other than that, obviously, this offense has tapered off just your overview right now of what's happening with this ball club look uh you know obviously we're just not playing well i think a lot of people that that you know pay attention to to our team and and follow baseball know there's sort of like you know kind of like three key phases of any team and you know that's one is how's your offense going how's your starting pitching going and how's your bullpen holding up and when you really only have one of those shining, it, it, it's a difficult time. When you have all three going, you're, you're having a, a ton of success. And if you have two of three happening, you're probably winning um, majority of your games. And so, you know, right now we, we, we're just in one of those sort of down slopes of, of, of performance. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with too, like, like I think some of the younger guys that, that came up and, and were making like immediate contributions and positive contributions, you know, they're, they're realizing the day-to-day grind is, is, is a lot different than what you experience at the minor leagues. And so, you know, clearly 
the performance of a majority of our team is not keeping pace with like Goldie and, and, and Arnado and, and that's challenging. So, you know, we're obviously going to have to look at ways to, to try to improve upon that. Um, but, you know, our schedule's challenging. It's, it's just been, uh, you know, 20 some games in a row, then day off and 17 to finish the first half. And, and, uh, against good teams and so you know we got to try to figure out a way to score some runs hopefully we can put some up on the board early today and and then maybe get a little bit of a tailwind so um but we know it's it's not going like we had hoped and and you know we've got to try to do something different and i i'm curious you know obviously what's going to happen here in the next month but i I just want to take this piece by piece so you, you mentioned goldie and arenado obviously great strong veterans have been around for a while you need some to back them up and some of them are on the il so let's look at them real quick tyler o'neill where does he stand right now yeah we'll probably have a better idea of of where to is tomorrow but you know very unfortunate down on a rehab um for his hamstring and and that was uh we were very encouraged we were hoping to activate him this past friday uh but unfortunately wednesday night he was hit by a pitch and ended up with a left wrist contusion, had a lot of swelling. And so as that subsides, we'll get a sense of where his strength is on that and then determine what the next steps are. But, you know, fingers crossed sooner rather than later, but, you know, no doubt, uh, uh, bad luck. And Harrison Bader. Yeah. yeah, So jumping in on him, um, you know, he's dealing with plantar fasciitis and um, for anybody who's ever experienced it, it can be extremely painful. Um, you know, we're hoping that that he was able to have a procedure done that will resolve some of that. And you know, we are encouraged about where he's at, but he's still not at the point where he has the confidence or feeling where he can start doing baseball activity. But you know, hopefully, early part of this week, we get a better sense of what that looks like. What about Yachty, Mo? Where do you stand right now with Yachty? Yeah, so I spoke with Yachty, oh gosh, probably Thursday, um, and you know he's he's taking strides to get back here. His knees are feeling better, but um, still not going 100% on any baseball activity right now. So, you know, he's he's working hard with a therapist. He's working hard in in the uh, weight room, but um, still not at a point yet where we know when he's going to return for sure. But um, I'll probably have a better update on him prior to the All-Star break because I'll reconnect with him at the end of the week and uh, maybe have a little bit more details on what his return to play would look like. Appreciate that. Uh, Flaherty and Mats, two big pieces, no question about it. At the start of spring training, as it stands right now, you have neither. Uh, where do they stand? So Mats will throw on Tuesday night for Memphis in Nashville. If that goes well, then we may start thinking about him returning to the club and maybe getting a start before the All-Star break. If if it doesn't go as planned, then he'd probably have to do another rehab. So that's better idea on that uh, late Tuesday night or really on Wednesday. We'll reassess. And then um, Jack is in L.A., currently working with a ther- physical therapist there. And in terms of, like, his return, we don't really have a timetable yet. But, um, you know, it's 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 not right around the corner. So, you know, we, we know we're going to have to be patient with that. And uh, so we will be. 
Where does that leave you right now in your rotation? You have Palante going today. You have Michaelis. Hudson was good yesterday, by the way. Uh, you have Libby in there. You have Wayno in there. Um, and what other things are you uh, starting to, to think about when it comes to your current club and what you have at your disposal? Well, it's sort of interesting, right? Like if we were talking this time last week, we would have been like, you got, you have to go get a starter. And then if we were talking two weeks ago, you've got to improve your bullpen. And But you're talking to me today, and you feel like you need to go find offense. So it's it's sort of a, a, a moving target here. And, you know, I think we are going to have to sort of really sort of zero in on what we want our trading deadline strategy to look like. Um, but obviously, you know, we could use help in, in, in the rotation, especially if we're not going to get consistent starts from, from players. But to your point, like Hudson was good yesterday, um, Libby threw the ball really well against a, a really hot hitting Atlanta team. So that was encouraging. Um, and, and we should be getting, you know, even somebody like McFarland and, and Verhagen back at some point this week. So, you know, we're going to have some tricky roster decisions to make. And then in terms of, as you think about the, the, the club, I don't think there's just like one magic bullet to insert into your offense. I mean, we got to get Bader back. We got to get O'Neill back. And, you know, as we look at the trading deadline, maybe we do look at some offense from the catching standpoint. So, you know, there's things we're going to be on the lookout for. So I think simply put, it's, you know, probably more innings um, would be something we would value and and getting some offense out of the catcher would be important as we as we start to look ahead. Trade deadline strategy involves a lot of things. You don't make a sweeping generalization when it comes to the trade deadline. There's a lot that you have to weigh, isn't there, Mo? You you have to figure out who else is chasing starting pitching, uh, what that market is. Well, every, well yeah, everybody's chasing starting pitching. You know, I mean, right? So, 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 so there's going like to be a price pitching, point there. Of course. So, so, you know, like what you're trying to identify are, are people that you think you can help get back to a more productive career or, or a more productive season. You know, last year when, when we made the moves we did, you know, we had identified relievers that we felt like were, you know, not being properly valued in the trade market. We went out and got Garcia and McFarland, and, you know, those guys made a difference for us. And then, you know, from the starting pitcher side, we were looking at guys that had experience, wouldn't scare, would take the ball, and, you know, they did that for us. So, you know, as we approach this one, we're going to have a, probably a similar way of thinking about it, um, but, you know, I think right now we just have to remain open-minded and be as active as we can with, with everything going on. You still think very highly of your philosophy and your future, don't you? You're, I've always felt like this organization has been careful when it comes to these deadlines and that you're not going to do something at the expense of your future. Do you still feel that way? You know, I think when I talk like that, it's not popular in terms of like what people want to hear, but there is a balance between how to improve your club now without sacrificing something that you you might regret down the road. Um, You know, like when you think about trades, like when we acquired Ozuna, now that was in the off season, but at the time, you know, we traded some young pitchers that not a lot of people were all that excited about or knew about. And then, now you have like Sandy Alcantara, you know, dominating at the big leagues, and you know, wouldn't he look good in a Cardinal uniform right now? So 
it's it's always a tough balance. And when you're going out and trying to find something impactful in the trading world, you, you know, you're going to have to give something up. What you're trying to do is, is give up something that you hope doesn't come back and, and bite you. And for the most part, we've been able to do that. But there have been deals that, that you know, when you, in hindsight, you're kind of like, oh, maybe I would have rethought that. But, you know, that's the difficult part of this job is trying to assess what you have, try to understand what the future might look like for some of these young players and understand how impactful they may or may not be. And, of course, weighing every all the outside noise, which I know that you hear, but you are you have a job to do and you have a balance in terms of your emotions and your business. This is a business. There's pressure from fans and from everybody else that this is the St. Louis Cardinals. Let's go win a world championship. But I, I feel like you've put that on yourselves, too. I mean, you, you came out at the start of the year and said, hey, we're, we're going to try to win here. Um when winning a world championship, as Oliver Marmel said in spring training, is the goal after all. But there's a way that you go about it. Yeah, I think in a season, you do need a little luck. Like, and unfortunately, from a health standpoint, we haven't been that lucky. You know, when you think about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players on your IL going into the weekend, that's challenging, and so. Yeah, we're trying to navigate that as, as best we can. And, you know, no one wants to hear our excuses, so I'm not going to give any. But there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and our expectations are still very high with this club. Last thing as we finish on this note, Albert Pujols gets the nod for the All-Star game. I think you and I might be able to talk one more time before this takes place. But to have him there, to have Paul Goldschmidt selected as a starter at first base, just your reaction to that, Mo. Well, first off, I think with Goldie, it's a you know, tremendous honor. It's well-earned and super excited for him. And in terms of, of Albert, you know, I think that's a, a really cool ability that from the commissioner to sort of recognize players that have meant so much to our game. And you know, obviously I'm selfish and biased when we talk about Albert, but you know, his, his first half of his career in St. Louis is historic and for him to come back here is something I think we've all take a lot of pride in. And so to see him being honored in LA, I think that's, that's really neat. And, you know, speaking with him a couple of days ago, I think he was excited about it as well in the sense of like getting back to go to LA where he spent the second half of his career and, you know, just being honored in this way. I think he just has great appreciation for that opportunity. We'll hear from him. And yeah, definitely. Uh, We'll hear from him in just a few minutes, five minutes with number five, talking about some of his, Great moments of his career. Final thing, just a quick uh, minor league update. How is Paul DeYoung doing, Ma? Uh, I had a little exchange with Paul yesterday. Um, you know, he's, he's slowly coming back from a, a hand contusion, and hopeful he's back in the lineup at Memphis at, at on Tuesday. And, you know, I just wanted to encourage him that, you know, he's still someone that we would – we could use if he gets himself going. And so, you know, he was, I thought he was on the right track until he got, got injured. And so now we're just having to be patient with his return, but, you know, hopeful that, that he can have a strong final week before the all-star break. And maybe we can revisit his status at that point. Thank you for all of this and good luck today against the Phillies. We appreciate the visit very much. 
All right. Thank you. You be well. You too. There's Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosellock on KMOX from the Stiefel Sports Studio. I'm Tom Ackerman. This is Sports on a Sunday Morning. Albert Pujols is next. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday Morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Albert Pujols comes to bat. Albert against the Royals. Albert digs back in. Open stance, deep in the box. Pulls it down on the end. Albert Pujols, the 1-0 pitch to Albert is hit high and deep. He hits a fly ball left field. That's back. It's a big fly for Albert Pujols, and it's gone. Now, Tom Ackerman and five minutes with number five. A thunderous ovation for Albert Pujols. Five minutes with number five. Albert Pujols is with us. Boy, we've had some fun with this, and now we're going to have some fun over the next two weeks. So this week and next week, I want to concentrate on a couple of your most famous home runs, according to me. I mean, you've had a lot, but there are some really good ones that stay in my mind. I want to start with, and we're going to play it for folks right now. Here is early in the season, 2001 at Arizona. Swing and a home run to left. The first major league home run for Albert Pujols. Boy, Joe, is that nice? He threw one up and in. Moved the kid off the plate, and then he came back with a fastball, and Pujols took him deep. We have a tie game. And that home run against the Diamondbacks was the first home run of your career. <laughs> what do you remember about that? Uh, what I remember is, like, well, I better start getting going because I'm going to get sent down <laughs> in a week or so. I didn't have a good series in Colorado, but uh, going to Arizona, you know, on Friday, facing Armando Reynoso and uh, just really man in scoring position is trying to look for a good pitch to hit and just put a good swing and uh, you know I'm just glad that you kind of get that off your chest right away you know and uh, really put the number one on the board you know but uh, uh, it was pretty awesome just running around the base and just like wow did that just happen you know but then I ended up having a great great series you know that that whole weekend there and uh, I think that's kind of what allowed me to stick around for for another week or two and 22 years later I'm here in the big leagues still. Yeah you are this is another one this is my all-time favorite Mike Shannon call this is July 4th 2003 here's the next by Wood and it's up and in and back to the screen and Albert Pujols is uh, knocked down he doesn't even look at the uh, mount. He uh, darn near injured himself as he had to uh, avoid that pitch. He takes his helmet off, walks back into the batter's box, sets himself, and I wouldn't, would not love to see number 25 off of Albert's bat go into the street. The pitch. Swing and hello, Fourth of July. Take a ride on that knockdown pitch, big boy. Terry Wood knocked him down, and now Albert looks at him as he goes around first. He gives him a glare. Say, take a little whiff of that, big boy. And now, Kerry Wood takes a look at Albert as he touches them off. Give it to him, big boy. Give it to him. That's how you play baseball. That's when you're a professional like Albert is. You don't glare out there. You don't throw your bat. 
You don't charge the mound. You just take the next pitch and you hit it into the uh, seats. That home run off Kerry Wood at Wrigley Field, he knocked you down, you got up, and you took him out of the ballpark. What do you remember about that moment and what you were feeling? No, I remember about that. Yeah, the pitch before that in my head, you know, and I uh, wasn't too happy about it. And uh, But, uh, you know, as you know, the rival, big weekend, 4th of July, and a lot of people pack out at Wrigley Field. I mean, just a lot of emotional going on. But uh, just uh, saw that pitch up and, you know, maybe trying to intimidate me a little bit. But uh, I dig in and, you know, he made a mistake and I think it was the next pitch or the couple of pitch after that then I end up hitting it out of the ballpark and I think after I, after I score I kind of give a little look back to you also so it was kind of pretty interesting and as folks could hear in the call he Mike called it perfectly he said and now Albert looks at him so he, he but he said at the end of that call that's how you play baseball when you're a professional like Albert is you don't glare out there you don't rush the mound you take the next pitch and you hit it into the seats. Yeah, it's part of the game, you know. I think, uh, you know, Doug, those guys out there, they don't want to hit you, especially open end. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it can get you a little bit uh, going and maybe it's a wake-up call <laughs> for you to get it going. But I think uh, I'm pretty sure you can ask Kerry Wood, you know, we never had any problem. But uh, I'm sure he didn't try throw that pitch open in on me like that. But... Uh, I wasn't too happy about it, and, you know, I respond with the home run. The next pitch after that, the next two pitch, I don't remember, but I just, you know, it's all about business, you know, and, you know, there are some pitchers that, you know, one of them was here uh, at the ballpark yesterday, the rocker, you know, they love to intimidate and throw a couple of pitch up and in just to make sure his presence was there, and you want to make sure that you don't back up when you start digging in there, you know, and and feel good about yourself. So that's something that I always had learned in this game, that, you know, no matter what, you you are in control of the atmosphere, and that was something that I always really focused on. Uh, next week we'll focus on two postseason moments that I've selected. I think you can guess what they are, but we'll get to them. And, and before we go, though, I want to make mention of the Pujols Family Foundation. Best way on social media, Pujols Found. You can see great pictures, go back in time to see how this foundation has evolved. Yes, PoolFamilyFoundation.org. You can find us on Instagram, on the website. You know, Tapper and Jack Cooper has done a really good job here in, in San Luis. Uh, you know, in Northern California, we got Crystal Ron, who's working hard, you know, to spend and growing our, our foundation, not just here, but just across the country. And that's something that I think, uh, you know, I'm blessed to have the team that I, that I have working for not just for me, for the people, you know, because I believe this is a foundation that has been contributed by a lot of people, and we are really blessed to have the people that have supported us, you know, for the last, uh, you know, 15, 16 years. Appreciate the time very much. Thank you, buddy. Albert Pujols on KMOX. Well, great, to, as always, to be with Albert Pujols and appreciate him taking the time to do these. It's been great. We do these individually. We didn't sit down and do one big long one. We actually just chat in the clubhouse uh, each and every week, and it's been fun. And I've known him for a long time, so um, it's you know special for him to have that relationship with the radio station. We thank Albert very much for these visits. It's 
been some year already to to see him in the uniform one more time. We're going to see him at the All-Star Game be honored, and we're actually going to see him start at first base today. He is the first baseman batting seventh for the Cardinals against the Phillies. That game is coming up at 1:15. The first pitch from Andre Pallante. Nice day today. It's going to warm up a bit, but it's a nice day. We'll get up to about 90 degrees today, but a sunny sky all day. In fact, sun all week long for all of these games. I don't see a drop of rain in the forecast anywhere, James. All week long. You got the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Reds. It's KMOX. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 